Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 118, verses 1 and 2, and 19 through 29. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, His steadfast love endures forever. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Observe the month of Abib by keeping the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. You shall offer the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God, from the flock and the herd, at the place that the Lord will choose as a dwelling for his name. You must not eat it with anything leavened. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it, the bread of affliction, because you came out of the land of Egypt in great haste, so that all of the days of your life you may remember the day of your departure from the land of Egypt. No leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory for seven days, and none of the meat of what you slaughter on on the evening of the first day shall remain until morning. You are not permitted to offer the Passover sacrifice within any of the towns that the Lord your God is giving you. But at the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, only there shall you offer the Passover sacrifice, in the evening at sunset, the time of day when you departed from Egypt. You shall cook it, and eat it at the place that the Lord your God will choose. The next morning you may go back to your tents. For six days you shall continue to eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a solemn assembly for the Lord your God, when you shall do no work. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1-11 through 11. If, then, there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he is in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Good morning and welcome to the fifth Thursday of Lent. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Iamsville, Maryland. This morning's uh, readings come to us from Psalm 118, Deuteronomy 16, and Philippians 2. And um, anybody who's listened for any amount of time knows that Philippians is my favorite Pauline epistle. Um, but before we get there, it's it's um, important to point out the similarities of these two passages. And the first appears uh, from Deuteronomy appears to be speaking about the Passover, and it is. Um, but it's also for Christians, according to Christians, um, foreshadows the death of Christ and and um, Easter. Um, and so uh, they, uh, the Israelites, were liberated from oppression in Egypt, and uh, before that happened, uh, they were given these instructions to eat dinner with shoes on your feet. Um, they would create a horror show on the outside of their house. Um, and if they didn't, there would be a horror show inside their house. Um, but um, one of the things is that you couldn't, you had to take the bread out before it was leavened. So they're basically like crackers, and it's called the bread of affliction. Um, and the Passover sacrifice that Jesus um, uh, embodies later um, is slaughtered in the evening. And um, the... There's one other thing, well, yeah, at sunset, the time of day when you departed from Egypt. Um, and Jesus was um, executed on the, e- or he died the evening of uh, Good Friday, uh, just before sundown, um, which is the time of day that they escaped Egypt. Um, but uh, after this um, kind of veiled reference to Jesus, we get this reading from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, which is a victory colony of veterans. Um, it wasn't uncommon to um, settle veterans out in the provinces after a term of service in the military, and they spent, depending on the, the era of the Roman Empire Republic, um, they would also do five years of reserve duty before being totally free of any more obligation. Um and what that did was it created out in the borders where that were less stable, it created a seasoned community of um, veterans that could train and be mentors to legions and auxiliary troops stationed in the area and be called up for duty if there were ever any skirmishes or conflict that they needed more troops for. Um, so veterans were colonizers, um, not necessarily... You know, like consciously, but that's the purpose they served in the empire uh, in particular. And Philippi is one of those places. And Philippi is really important. It's where not just Paul writes a letter to, but also the first church established in on the European continent. Uh, this is also where one of the first um, Christian soldier converts is, the jailer at Philippi when Paul and Silas are imprisoned. Um, it's also the home of 
either Lydia or Priscilla, I can't remember, um, but this um, deaconess in the church, the servant, um, who's wealthy and, and makes the dyes, she lived in Philippi. So Philippi is actually a really important um, location for Paul. Um, and because it's a, a victory colony of veterans, um, the townspeople um, are military families and descendants of military veterans who would have been citizens and, again, would have been a Roman presence um, away from the Italian peninsula. And so um, it is here that, um, and in his letter, that Paul uses some pretty strong military metaphors, um, military language. He speaks of the imperial guard. He talks about death on a cross. And verses 6 through 11 um, is one of the like principal scripture passages for Pew Pew HQ because of the humility that it talks about. Though God was in the, f- uh, in the form of God, Jesus did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a grunt, born in human likeness. And he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death at the hands of an enemy combatant. Um, and so um, Paul uses military language, and in, these, in this passage from 6 to 11, it's actually a poem uh, in Greek, that you know, it's it's hard to identify that in English because they don't rhyme and the metrics are different. Um, but it's this Greek poem that scholars believe was already being passed around, not necessarily a creed, but some some kind of teaching aid um, for young children, especially because you know, poems and and uh, euphonics, you know, rhyming words and alliterative words, they're helpful in in aiding retaining information. And so this poem is, um, again, not, not exactly a creed. You didn't have to, like, agree to it. Um, there's this old Roman standard that uh, kind of predated the Apostles' Creed, um, and there, that was part of uh, becoming a Christian. You had to, like, you know, do you believe this, yes or no? This one is more of a teaching aid. Um, a lot of um, the early church who were not Jewish, and many of those who were, were illiterate. They couldn't read. Um, and so those who could read, people who were, who had money and influence, um, soldiers could often read because they could either afford lessons or it, it was just a necessity of service, um, and they either picked it up or or were taught. Um, the the majority of the early church could not read, and so these teaching aids were passed between communities, and one of them is is thought to be. Uh, this from verses 6 to 11, this kind of poem that talks about God's humility and how Jesus was raised up because of his humility and his willingness to be obedient to death. And humility and obedience are two of the cardinal virtues of grunts. Um, and that's why, um, that's why I think that if Jesus is God, then God is a grunt because there are things um, that God does and that Jesus does that makes him appear very grunt-like. Humility, obedience, perseverance. <clears throat> and um, in Philippians, it really comes out quite strongly. There's a lot of places in the Gospels that do as well, but um, a lot of Protestants really love Paul, and so I think it's important to point out where he is really friendly to the military as well and even draws on 
military language and and kind of um, worldview in order to help others make sense of the Christian faith. Um, And humility is one of these early, early aspects that people attribute to not just to Jesus, but also by necessity to God. Um, And there's this fine line between um, humility and, um, I don't know, I think another... I think you can be humble but confident, and I think there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. Um, you can be confident, being s- sure of yourself, being um, you know um, secure in who you are and what you can do and what you stand for, is different from making, uh, trying to make a show of it. Um, by making sure other people know how secure you are, and like you're not if. You need to be validated by other people. You're not confident. But um, that's why I think arrogant people actually are not confident. They're quite insecure. Um, But confidence um, says something like what Jesus said in front of the court when he was being tried uh, at the Sanhedrin and also by Pilate where he doesn't doesn't exactly deny that he's God, um, but he doesn't say it directly. And that's one of those, he says, um, when he's questioned by the Sanhedrin, are you the son of God? Or are you God? And Jesus says, you have said that it was so. He doesn't deny it. He doesn't say, oh, no, no. He doesn't recant and say, oh, you know, it was all a ruse uh, out of fear. Um, but he stands his ground um, without needing to make a show of it. Um, he is not in control. Um, I think that's another, you know, kind of difference between confidence and arrogance. You don't have to be in control by being in, if you're confident. Um you are prepared and you're well aware and, and self-aware, um, but you don't have to be in control. Uh, you just have to trust in your abilities and your um, collaboration with God. I think for some reason of Joan of Arc, because I've been reading a lot about her lately for my next book, God is a Grunt and More Good News for GIs. Joan was a humble maid. She couldn't read my, like most of the church. Um, and she was called up and told to command an army, and she does, and she's just really gung-ho, really kind of like if she has any strategic um, you know, strategy at all, it's just let's go kick the shit down and, and take no names, take no prisoners. Um, and uh, that, you know, it, it seems like arrogance, um, but she didn't have anything to prove to anybody. She was injured two or three times, like, that um, you can be humble but confident. Um, I don't think that you, you cannot be humble and arrogant. Those two are mutually opposed. Um, but you can be humble and confident. Jesus was confident. God, uh, Jesus knew who he was and what he was there for. Um, and he didn't back down, but he didn't also grasp at power. And he didn't grasp at, at human recognition. He was there to do the right thing. Um, he was there to accomplish his mission, and he knew precisely when it would end and what his outcome would be. And he didn't shy away from it. He didn't, you know, try to better himself um, in the process. Um, he emptied himself. Um, he took the form of a grunt, a slave, somebody at the bottom of the ladder, um, and becomes obedient. And he is obedient all the way to a death on the cross at the hands of an enemy combatant. 
prayer for quiet confidence from the Book of Common Prayer. O God of peace, who has taught us that in returning and rest we shall be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall be our strength. By the might of your Spirit lift us, we pray, to your presence where we may be still and know that you are God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.